stuff, ain't it? Amen. Hey, while they're coming down, the children's church will be gathering over to my left, and you're right, in the Welcome Center. And so as they're gathering, I just want to say how grateful I am to be here today. Amen. Genesis chapter 41. You know, sometimes I think uh, I think we when, we when we get a real glimpse of glory, and I think sometimes God gives us those glimpses along the journey, don't you? When we get a little glimpse of glory, it helps us realize that we're a lot closer to home than we've ever been, and uh, we're a lot closer than I think we really realize, but I'm grateful that on the journey that we can have some pep rallies between here and when the real worship takes place, amen? Sometimes folks say, well, you know, you have to be careful, you don't want to get too celebrated, they'll think we're like the charismatics down there at the Baptist church. And I tell you, if it wasn't for the Bible, I'd join some of my charismatic brothers. But yeah, but I, I mean, but nevertheless, I'm just telling you today, there is no sin and there is no shame in celebrating the fact that you serve a risen Savior, got up from the dead, and you need to live like you hadn't got over it yet. Amen. I really believe that. I'm just. Like a good buddy of mine says, he says, I'm just a common man who serves a Savior, got up from the dead, and I hadn't got over it. Amen. Genesis chapter 41, if you found your place in physically able, would you stand with me? In honor and reverence to the reading of the word of God, we're going to read a portion of Genesis 41 here today. Of course, it's a very long chapter, and we'll not be reading all of that, and I know you're saying amen to that, but I you know, 57 verses. We're going to read a portion here to begin with to get a, a real gist of what's taking place in the next events of Joseph's life as we talk about the power, the, excuse me, powerful purpose of patience. Would you notice what God's word says with me in verse 1? It says, Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river, and suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat, so that means that may gave me hope when I read that, amen. <laughs> and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river, and the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept, and he dreamed a second time, and suddenly seven heads of grain came up with one stalk, plump and good, then behold, the seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that the spirit, his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for the magicians of, of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them the dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh and then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with us, with his servants, he put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, and we had a dream, and we each had a dream in one night, and he and I, and each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, servant of the captain of the guard, 
We told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. Each man, he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened, he restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Speaking of the baker, look at verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and he came to Pharaoh. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would speak mildly to our hearts today. I pray, Father, that the word we have read would take root in our hearts. And, Father, you would help me to articulate what you've taught me this week, that it might strengthen believers and that it might draw weary souls to the cross. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. The powerful purpose of patience. Last week when we talked about the first part of this message, we left off our friend Joseph. He had just been separated from his family in Egypt at that point for 11 years. He had just interpreted some dreams of the chief baker and the chief butler while he was keeper of the prison. The baker, we know, had been hanged as his dream said he would. And the butler had been restored to his previous position that he held in Pharaoh's court. Joseph only had one request of the butler as he returned back to Pharaoh's house. He said, I just want you to remember me when you get back there. Remember what happened. Remember what took place. Remember how you witnessed my life and testimony. Remember what took place in the interpretation of these dreams but as we left off last week, for whatever reason, the butler forgot to mention the faithfulness of Joseph to the Pharaoh. So Joseph's process of preparation was well underway. 11 years he had been in this situation. He was now 28 years old. But regardless, his process of preparation was still not complete, and it would require just a while longer of God working in his life to get him ready for his ultimate purpose and destiny. It's kind of like I remember going to a pizza place in the old days. It's not like now. You go to me, unless you go to Mata's or somewhere where they make real pizza, can I get a witness, amen? Uh, but nevertheless, but nevertheless you, uh, I remember going to pizza places in the old days back when they would, literally you would hear the pizza maker or the baker or whatever he was, uh, uh, he would be in the back and you could literally hear them pounding on the dough. Do y'all remember that? pounding on it and what I used to like to watch you know I was kind of an ADD kid then like I'm an ADD dude now I would begin to watch them as they would do this and my favorite part was when they would take the the dough and they would begin to swirl it up in the air y'all remember that flour would go everywhere somebody please tell me you remember that okay and flour would go everywhere and, and I would watch him spin it and spin it and spin it and all that kind of stuff and I remember thinking man it, it takes a whole lot to make a pizza and it does to make a good one amen but nevertheless, when we see those things take place, it kind of reminds us a little bit the way our life is. Sometimes we have to be pounded out, don't we? Sometimes we have to be rolled out. Sometimes we may even have to be spun around and round and round in life for God to get us where he wants us to be and get our lives totally and completely devoted to him like our Sunday school lesson taught us about Abraham today. But chapter 41 picks up two years since the butler's return to Pharaoh's house. 
He's been restored to his position. Now it's 13 years since Joseph was sold by his brothers. He's now 30 years old. And some events in the life of the butler jog his memory uh, and it helps, helps us to see once again how God used people to change the direction of Joseph's life. It seemed kind of quiet for those two years. We don't have a whole lot of writing about what took place. But even though it was quiet, God was actively working behind the scenes in the life of Joseph to bring about a situation that would lead Joseph out of the prison once and for all. Thirteen years of preparation has taken place and it all started again with another dream. Notice with me, if you will, as we talk about the powerful purpose of patience, notice how the scriptures detail for us the events of Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh had two dreams. When we read the stories of Pharaoh's dream, and you know when we studied earlier this year the book of Daniel, we realize from Nebuchadnezzar's dream there's some correlation of how God used Daniel and how God's using Joseph. He had two dreams, and in those dreams... One was one of seven healthy cows, fat and fine, he said. They came up out of the Nile River, and along with those seven healthy cows came seven kind of sickly, ugly cows. And the sickly and ugly cows literally ate the healthy cows without any change in their appearance. They ate the healthy ones, but they still looked as sickly as before. Uh, that shook him up, woke him up, and he got settled back down. He took another nap, and when he did, he had another dream. And this dream was not just, it wasn't of cows this time. It was when he dreamed of seven heads of grain, good grain. And they were on one stalk, and after that, there were seven thin and withered heads that sprang up beside them. And the seven withered heads ate the seven good heads. It don't seem to make any sense, but guess what happened when Pharaoh dreamed a second time? He woke up again, shook him up. You see, in the midst of all the confusion over these dreams, the chief butler remembered something. It seems as though the dreams of Pharaoh jogged his memory enough to think about what took place. We have no indication in Scripture that the butler went back to Pharaoh's house and on purposely forgot Joseph. Some people may think that, but we don't have any proof of that. It very would, could be that he does like you and I do. He simply got busy about his work and he just forgot about Joseph. But because of this, he begins to be reminded of Joseph's interpretation of the baker's dreams and how they came to pass in verses 9 through 13 that I read just a moment ago. But you say, wait just a minute, now, hold on a minute. We gotta take a moment and look at this extended period of waiting that took place in Joseph's life and ask ourselves, what does it say to us? Waiting is something that none of us enjoy. If you enjoy waiting, I tell you, I don't, I, I, you're in the minority for sure. We, we live in a society that doesn't enjoy that very much and waiting with, for us is fine as long as somebody else is doing the waiting. Amen? We don't like to do it personally. You know, someone had once said, and I don't know who to give it credit for, but I remember writing it down years ago. It said that we want a crockpot quality of life in a microwave time frame. I don't know about y'all, but the roast in the, in the crockpot is better than the bagel bites from the microwave. Amen? 
But see, what we want is, is we want God to give us a crockpot quality of life like Joseph's about to experience, but we want him to do it in 34.2 seconds. And speaking of the microwave, do any of y'all do this? Do any of y'all go over and you kind of watch it? And when it gets down to one second, does anybody jerk the door open or hit the off button? You know why we do that? We don't want to hear the beeping, do we? Amen. No, we got all this, but we want God to fix us in 34 seconds, but we want him to give us the very best quality. But listen, to receive the best quality, it requires waiting. You know when I put my roast in the crock pot, me and Angie got this best recipe, it's the best recipe you ever find, and I'll sell it to you for free after church. But listen to it. I'm telling you, when we put that thing in there, I put it in there about 6 o'clock in the morning, and at 6 o'clock that evening for supper, guess what? It's mighty fine, amen? And it's a whole lot better. It took preparation, it took a period of time, but the result was much better than what I could have warmed up in 34 seconds, right? See, Joseph, he's in jail. He has no hope of deliverance. His only hope was maybe the butler might remember me. Now he knows his all he for, is that he forgot him. So what does it mean to wait on God? Well, I learned this from Tony Evans. What does it mean to wait on God? Here's what it means. Waiting on God means not going outside of God to resolve the issue. Waiting on God means not going outside of God to resolve the issue. Now look here. It doesn't mean being lazy. It doesn't mean being what I call the bus stop Christian with your thumb out just waiting on Jesus to take you to heaven, amen? It's not that at all. It just means that you trust God while you are waiting. We're often tempted to take matters into our own hands even if it means disobeying God. Uh, it's a dangerous thing to do, but in our periods of waiting, we want it to be fixed so quickly that we could go outside of God's will just to try to fix our problem, which is never a fix at all. Notice what the psalmist said about Joseph in Psalm 105, verses 17 through 19. He says, He, speaking of God, sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. That meant they bound him. He was laid in irons. That meant they put him in prison. Until when? Until the time when his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Wow, look here. The psalmist is writing about Joseph here, and he's saying, look here. The word of the Lord tested him. What did we learn about Sunday school this morning, about Abraham and Isaac, right? About the test that God put him through to test his loyalty, commitment, and surrendered life to the sovereignty of God. That's what it was all about. Look here. The same is true of what happened here with Joseph. Always remember this. We shared this in Sunday school today. Don't want you to ever forget it. Warren Wearsby taught me through his books is that God always tests us to bring out the best in us while the devil tempts us to bring out the worst in us. The devil tempts us toward evil. God is testing us to bring about good. God doesn't tempt us with evil things to bring out bad stuff in us. He tests us with things to see that he can develop us into the child of God that he created us to be. Amen? See, Joseph was taking a test he was taking a test in life. And listen, his test involved waiting. Wow. I can remember one of the most torturous things I ever did do as a high school student was take the ACT. Anybody with me? They took us over at Jackson State, put us in a room, 
And it says, and this next section is going to be an hour and 45 minutes. I was thinking, shoot me. I can't be in here for an hour and 45 minutes. And then, no, but it was. And it was like the next one was an hour. It was like a torturous thing. It was waiting. It's supposed to be good, but I don't know. When you go outside of God to resolve the problems in your life, here's what you're doing. You're cheating on the test. Woo! We are tempted to do something on our own because we don't want to take the test any longer. We're like, Lord, we want the test to be over. And we want to go outside of him to fix it. That is a danger. Waiting means not going outside of God to resolve the issue. There's a second thing waiting means. And waiting means worshiping while you wait. What did Job say? Job said in Job 13, 15, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you what, that's the kind of trust that needs to be taking place across the body of Christ today is a trust that says, regardless of the will of God for me, I will trust that it is best for me as he tests me to bring out his perfect will in my life. Well, we talked about Abraham just in Sunday school, as I said. God said, I'm going to give you a boy. You don't have any. Your name's Abram. means the father of many. I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. You think the boys down there at the city gate was making fun of you before. Think what they're going to say about you now. I'll give you a name. It says you're father of a multitude and you don't even have one son. You know what? They're going to have a good time with you. But I'm going to give you that son. You're just going to have to wait. You know how long you had to wait? 25 years. 25 years for the promise. But you know, Abraham did a little bit like some of us want to do. He went outside of God's will to try to resolve the issue and has created a problem that is still going on today. Amen? See, their independent intervention, you know what it did? When Abraham said, you know what, I know I'm going to have a son, Sarah, but maybe that wasn't for you. So he goes over to Hagar's handmaid. He has a son named Ishmael. And he goes outside of God's will to try to fix something that God already told him he had taken care of. But you know, when we independently go outside of those things, here's what we do. We stretch out the period of waiting. We make the waiting longer when we try to fix it by our means. Think about our friend Noah. He had a pretty long ministry. 120 years. He preached 120 years and the only people that believed what he was telling him was those of his own family. I don't know if he had to drag them in the boat or whatever he did, but he got them in there. For 120 years, he said, I tell y'all what, God's told me to build a boat because it's going to rain like you've never seen. They said, no, it's never rained. Oh, it gets a dew in the morning that waters the earth. It's, it's, we've never seen rain. What are you talking about 120 years? Can you imagine the ridicule? Can you imagine all of the intimidation that he did? But you know what the scripture says about him in the New Testament? That he was a preacher of righteousness. Wow. See, one simple sermon he had one sermon. You know what the title of his sermon was? It's going to rain. It's kind of like a young preacher I heard one time went to a new pastor, and he preached the same sermon for three months. Walked to the pulpit every Sunday for three months, read the same text, preached the same sermon. And those folks came to him, you know, and they were trying to be nice. Said, you know, preacher, I just want to tell you, we, we really enjoy that sermon you preach. It really is good, and by three months, you have perfected it. But we would really like for you to kind of move on and expound into some other areas. 
He said, well, as soon as y'all start doing this one, I'll move on to the next one. <laughs> Amen. No, no, I had one sermon. It's going to rain. He believed God when there was no reason to and no evidence to, nothing to see, taste, feel, or hold. He had no reason except he believed God. He kept working on the promise and he was faithful to wait in obedience. There's a third thing waiting on God means. It's gonna come up on the screen in a second there, I believe. Make sure I got it right. It means to exclusively trust God. You know, he's all you got, whether you realize it or not. So Dr. Gene Tyre used to teach us, he'd say, boys, he said, when Jesus is all you need, all you got, he's all you'll ever need. And I really believe that. I believe when you think that God has forgotten about you, when you think God's walked out on you just because things are a little silent and you're not hearing what you want to hear, you need to remember this. He is working even when you cannot see what he is doing. God is working even when through this pandemic I have said so many times God I don't know why this had to come I don't know what the purpose is I don't understand it I can't get my arms around it and Lord sometimes I am totally just discombobulated by it but I have learned this much just like Job said though he slay me yet I will trust him I've learned to trust him in the waiting room I've learned to trust him through whatever's taking place and I believe the word of God teaches us that Joseph had been waiting but God was about to give him the opportunity of a lifetime. He was on the threshold of breakthrough. Notice the second thing with me, if you would. Notice the explanation of some future developments, not just Pharaoh's dreams, but his future developments. Now, if you begin reading in verse 15 and continue reading, I'm going to skim through part of that for you because I want to help you see what's taking place. Joseph was summoned by the Pharaoh. He got cleaned up. He showed up, amen. He was going in the presence of royalty, cleaned himself up. He showed up there in the presence of Pharaoh and the Lord had revealed to him the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. Here's what he said to him. He said, you've had two dreams, but they both mean the same thing. The seven years, the seven cows and the seven stalks, the good cows and the good stalks are representative of seven years of plenty that's coming to this country. Egypt's going to have seven years of a bumper crop. But those that ate the cows and ate the grain, those dreams are saying to you that after the seven years of plenty, there will be seven years of severe famine. He's saying, you know what? It's going to be good for a while. But it's going to be a mess after that. When I stood here before you in December of 2019, I had no idea what was coming in March of 2020. And I stand here before you in December of 20, I'm excuse me, almost December of 2021. I have no idea what's, I have no idea if we'll make it to 2022. I have no idea what's coming to the world in 22. But I do know this, a sovereign God does. Seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. So how could God use a common man like Joseph to accomplish such great things? You say, Joseph must have been a superhero. No, he was just like you and I. He was a common person, an ordinary person used by God to do extraordinary things. Charles Wendell has an explanation for that. He said this, he said it was because his heart had been broken 
because he had been tried in the fire of affliction, because his external circumstances seemed almost unbearable during these years, his internal condition had been turned into pure gold. He had been through the furnace. His heart had been broken. He had been through all sorts of things to where God had refined him and purified him. He had taken off the dross, knocked off the rough edges. He's no longer that immature boy that went before his brothers and his father and said, I had some dreams and y'all gonna worship me one day. He's no longer that guy. He's had 13 years of preparation and God is about to exalt him and use him for his greater glory. You say, why so much pain? C.S. Lewis, I love what he says. He says, pain is God's megaphone. <laughs> Whoo! I'm not talking about just physical pain. I'm talking about when your heart hurts. I'm talking about when you're broken to the point like Joseph was, when you're broken as in Romans 8, when we realize that it is the Spirit himself that makes intercession for us with utterings that can, and groanings uttered that cannot be uttered. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it is that kind of brokenness that God refines us into who he wants us to be. No, we can't always give the answers to the problems of suffering and pain. I don't know why there's suffering and pain in your life or mine or anybody else's. I don't understand all the reasons for suffering and pain in our world, but we can live with our hearts broken before God so that we can bring comfort to others and he will bring comfort to us in our deepest hour of crisis. I am confident of that. That's the explanation of those future events, but notice with me, if you will, the elevation of the faithfully devoted. <laughs> Verses 33 through 57 tell the story how Joseph made it clear what God was going about to do and his timing would be followed strictly. Here's what Joseph told him. God's going to give you exactly seven years of plenty. There are going to be exactly seven years of famine. God is going to do it exactly as he said. He's going to follow that timetable strictly. Notice with me, if you will, verse 33 of Genesis 41. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. You know, he said, this stuff's fixing to happen. Here's what you need to do. Look at verse 34. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land may not perish during the famine. <laughs> you know what Joseph said? Pharaoh, somebody's going to have to watch over this stuff. Somebody's going to have to watch over this situation in order to avoid disaster because if nobody takes the lead and nobody is proactive in this situation, disaster is coming. Some people think, well, boy, old Joseph, <laughs> he promoted himself here. Now, he wasn't promoting himself, but I'll tell you what he did do. He made himself available. Are you hearing me, church? No, no, you don't have to promote yourself, but I'll tell you one thing all of you can do. Make yourself available. 
so that when God swings by and passes by, when God needs somebody to perform a specific task for his glory, you will be available to do what God calls you to do. You know what Joseph was doing? He's just saying, hey, you know what? This is coming. You're going to have to do this, and you're going to have to make sure this is done or disaster is coming. You're going to have to get the right man. That word discerning in the text I read a moment ago means the ability to have a clear insight into a situation and act constructively in a time of need. Wow. You know, no doubt about it, Joseph was such a man, wasn't he? Joseph was the kind of guy who had some insight. You know why? Because he was in tune with God. The Bible says the Lord was with him. God had his hand on him. He was such a man and he was recognized by Pharaoh by being promoted to the second in charge. You know what Pharaoh told him? You can read on. Pharaoh said, I'm going to make you that man and you're going to be the only man in the country. You're going to be second in charge. I'm going to be the only person above you. Uh, there's nobody else above you except me and what I want you to do is take care of this business. So you know what he did? He took that responsibility and he pursued it with an unrelenting passion. Look at verse 46. Y'all with me? Man, this is good stuff right here. You're going to go home and you're going to choke on your leftover turkey or something. Look here. Verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out of the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. That's a pretty good big place. Now in the seven plentiful years as the ground brought forth abundantly, so he gathered all the food out of those seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities and he laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting for it was immeasurable. Woo, Marty. Joseph said, hey, you're gonna need somebody to take care of this business. Pharaoh says, you're the man. He says, if I'm the man, I'm gonna give all I got to make sure I fulfill the purpose for which God placed me in that position. Wow. He wasn't just doing it for Pharaoh. He was doing it for the God who rescued him and preserved his life. I had somebody help me years ago. I'll never forget this. Sometimes as pastors... Y'all ain't gonna believe this. But when I stand here before you, I have sunk my soul into what I'm talking to you about today. Amen? I don't know if it's evident to you and you might walk out and say, God, he's the poorest thing I've ever seen. That's fine. But hear me. I have sunk my soul into it. And I can remember years ago, I was a younger, much younger preacher. And I remember going to New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary on a Monday feeling lower than a snake's belly. So low a mosquito wouldn't bite me. Professor got up and says, hey boys, how'd it go yesterday? You know, and you got the rock stars over. We had 47 saved. We baptized 120. The church won't hold but 50 people, but they baptized 126. You know what I mean? We baptized 126. Woo! All this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting in the back thinking, I must really stink. He said, boys, do you ever feel like when you go on Sunday and you pour out your soul, nobody seems to be moved, nobody seems to be challenged, nobody really even seems to care, and you walk out feeling like you're less than dirt. 
I thought, well, now he's talking to me. He says, boys, you just remember that as you prepare this for this Sunday. He says, you think you're preparing that sermon for a congregation. And when they don't respond, it breaks your heart. He says, but you need to remember, you're not preparing that sermon for the congregation. You're preparing that sermon for the God who saved you and loved you and redeemed you and called you to this mighty work. Change my perspective. So now you know what? There's all kinds of folks now, you know, 127 minutes and baptizing. Look here, hear me. I realize that the response and the results are up to God. I, I mean, I have no ability to transform your life. I just want to lead you to the man that can. And here's what Joseph learned and what you and I must learn. He says, no, I'm not gathering this grain for Pharaoh. I'm gathering it for God. And when we remember that, we're going to be okay. He had a passion. You know what, though? God blessed him with a couple of boys. See that? Oh, Ephraim and Manasseh. Tells you in verses 50 through 52 about him. Oh, he named it Manasseh, which means for God has made me forget all my toil in my father's house. Wow. Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. God blessed him also and blessed his work because not only did he provide for Egypt, he provided for all those that came hungry. Whatever God blesses us with is not for us. It is for us to be a blessing to those who come hungry and thirsty. <laughs> I didn't even mean the notes, man. I'll tell you, God, oh, I'm glad I'm, he's in charge. Look here. God did not bless us so that we could just be fat, sassy, and happy. He blessed us so that we could bless those who are hungry and thirsty and in need of living water. God help us. I got so many more things I'd like to say. Well, I think I will, amen. Real quick, how am I gonna get through the pain that I go through, preacher? Joseph, his, ain't his, own, his has nothing to do with me. I learned these this week. I had to write them down. Three principles for persevere through pain. I'm done real quick. The first principle is that God wants to teach us lessons that will help us to avoid the pitfall of pride. God wants to teach us lessons that will help us to avoid the pitfall of pride. We all face temptation. Joseph did. We all fail at times. But God cannot and will not use a Christian to the fullest who is prideful. Did you hear me? I don't care if you're a preacher, a deacon, Sunday school teacher, singing in the choir, or whatever you do, or whatever your place is, whatever seat God's put you in on the bus of his church, I want you to hear me. God will not use to the fullest a Christian who is prideful. Can God use prideful Christians if he chooses, but he can't get the fullest out of them because they still got something in them, and it's called self. Gregory Frizzell, I remember from his books, he taught me, you can never be, you cannot be filled with God until you're willing to be emptied of yourself. Wow. 
believe that. I read this, Samuel Rutherford. He said, I praise God for the hammer, the file, and the furnace. The hammer molds us, the file shapes us, and the fire tempers us. There's a second thing. Second principle is that God wants to prepare us spiritually and emotionally to persevere as we face difficult responsibilities. It's going to come up on the screen now. God wants to prepare us spiritually and emotionally to persevere as we face difficult responsibilities. You know, I've told y'all before in my time, I thank God for 28 plus years as a pastor. I thank God for 35 years of ministry. I thank God for all those things. But I want to tell you, there have been times that it would have been real easy to walk away. I've told y'all about some of those. You know, I'd been a pastor about 12 years and I'd determined, you know, that I was a failure and I needed to do something else, whatever. But I'll tell you right now, in each of those experiences, God used the hammer, God used the file, and God used the furnace to prepare me for the challenges of today and tomorrow. God had to do those things to prepare us for where we are today and would never be if it wasn't for God's patience and preparation during those difficult times. And then finally, God provides and designs lessons to prepare us to perform well when given greater responsibility. He provides and designs lessons to prepare us to perform well when given greater responsibility. I wrote this, I believe it's good. Greater pressure brings personal growth and lasting fruit in the kingdom of God. Sometimes you say, well, the pressure's kind of tough I can't get real comfortable. There must be something going on with me. No, it could be that God has got the file and the hammer and the furnace on your life to bring lasting fruit. There's no more important work in the life, our life, than to do the will of God that advances his work. Our comfort should always be secondary to our calling. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. Our comfort should always be secondary to our calling. Just in case you missed me up there, Steve, in the balcony, okay? Our comfort should always be secondary to our calling. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we live in a world today where people want to have the comfortable Christian life to just ease through and just arrive safely at death. <laughs> and that is not what's most important. In 2022, should God give us here? I really believe this. I said to our men in the prayer room this morning, I believe 2022 is a very critical year, a very critical year for us personally as a church and for the body of Christ because we don't know what challenges are still out there, but we do know how we respond is very important. Joseph had been forgotten. even though the butler forgot him God never did reminded me of somebody else in scripture you know there was another person that said hey I want you to remember me don't you y'all remember him he was hanging beside Jesus on the cross do you remember he said uh, maybe you remember me when you come into your kingdom and I never will forget Jesus words today will be with me. 
butler, he's like me and you. He forgets stuff sometimes. But Jesus is the sovereign son of God. What the butler remembered got Joseph out of prison eventually. What Jesus remembered will keep you safe, sealed, and secured for eternity. So here's my question today. Two questions. One, if you're a child of God, do you see and do you sense God actively working in your life? Or do you, are you kind of like where Joseph was? It's just kind of silent. I don't know what's going on. I promise you he's still at work. If you're his child, he's still working on you. I mean, I wonder if you're seeking to see what he's doing. Are you really pleading with God? God, show me. God, prepare me. God, give me a clear view for that. I'm telling you, it's important you do. You may feel that God's forgotten you, but he hasn't. Maybe you're here today and you're like that guy that was hanging beside Jesus on the cross. You know, there were three guys on those crosses that day. And two of them deserved to be there. The one in the middle should have been for all of us. We all deserved to be there, didn't we? But the perfect, sinless Son of God hung between two thieves. And one of them rebuked him. But the other said, remember me. Maybe you're like that guy and you say, wait a minute. Eternity? Yep. It's too long to be wrong, isn't it? And you've realized today that what you need is a relationship with somebody who loves you that much. And can I tell you today that the same promise he made to the thief on the cross is the promise he extends to the whole world. All you got to do is repent and trust him. And today you are secure for eternity. Wow. Wherever you are, hear me. The waiting room's tough. The process is difficult. But God will always be faithful to meet your need. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I humbly, humbly, humbly bow my heart before you today. And God, I do so behalf of people that I dearly deeply love your church this local church those you have redeemed those you have bought with your own blood Father we learn as we listen to prayer requests in our Sunday school class and on Wednesday night prayer meetings we learn that the needs around us are just innumerable Lord, we realize there's a lot of pain, a lot of suffering in this world. But the more we experience it, the more it makes us long for a place called glory. Father, today I pray for those in this building that are sitting here today with no hope of eternity in heaven with you that never trusted you, never asked forgiveness of their sins but yet they're hoping they'll be good enough. Maybe they're measuring their life by others around them saying, I, I'm better than most people. And 
maybe they're going to try to be good enough and I pray the spirit of God's made them aware today that none of us will ever be good enough it's not our goodness or our righteousness it's that of Jesus Christ the blood he shed on Calvary that can cleanse us from all sin I pray father for those today that may be in that situation that today at this invitation that they would boldly and with confidence come to you humbly God during this invitation they'd come and they'd just pour their heart out to you and they'd just ask you to forgive them and save them and be their Lord and God for your children are struggling with the waiting room maybe they see themselves in the story of Joseph I pray they'd see today that the waiting room has a purpose we don't need to go outside of you to try to fix it we need to worship you while we're waiting. God, we'll give you praise for what you're about to do. I pray that lives are changed and the glory of God would be manifest through saving lost souls today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet today. In just a moment, we're going to sing this song that simply says, I surrender all. And I want to tell you what these 13 years did for Joseph. It turned him into a dude that was really ready to surrender all. And I don't know what kind of valleys or dark times or difficult days God's had to bring you through to teach you that. But I pray if you haven't learned it, that today you would. And church, as we sing this song, we got to really mean it from our heart. It can't just be words on a page or a screen or songs that we sing. It's got to be the real attitude of our heart today. Totally surrender to God. And I plead with you today to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and let him do his work in your life. Marty's going to lead us. You come as God leads you today.
verse with Marty. Sing it, Marty. today to uh, receive our morning tithes and offerings. I want to encourage you to be faithful today. We're going to finish up November strong today, headed into the Christmas time, and, and just uh, continue to be faithful, because uh, I believe with all of my heart that our faithfulness has so much to do with how God uses us to be that church that is there to give when others come hungry and thirsty we realize that our blessing, I'm not just talking about physical hunger and thirst, I'm talking about a spiritual hunger and thirst that we would have the answers. Because Joseph, you know, when he gathered up all the grain, couldn't count it all, had enough to sustain them through seven years of famine, and even the neighboring countries came to buy from them. Ain't that something? Well, it says something about how God used him. Can you imagine, you ever think sometimes when you read scripture, what if Pharaoh hadn't have listened to Joseph? What if he would have said, ah, I don't need, I got this. I don't need anybody to help me oversee this. I got this. I, I'm Pharaoh. Can you imagine how the story would read differently? I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I know this much. We all need him and we all need each other. One heartbeat doing everything for the glory of God. Giving, serving, and living faithfully will make a difference in the world that we're in today. So let's give from our hearts to the Lord and you you. Join me as we join our hearts together and ask God's blessings on our giving today.
my healer. Amen. That's good stuff right there. Good job, Terry. I believe you're my healer. I believe you're all I need. I believe that you're my portion. I believe you're more than enough for me. That's one of my favorites, Terry. I thank you for playing. That's beautiful. Hey, before we get out of here today, I just want to tell you again, this Thanksgiving season, um, I, I was... Uh, you know, spending some time with one of my best buds this this week, and uh, you know her as Mo. Y'all know Mo, and I, uh, me and Mo were working, and um, well, she was patrolling, I was working, and getting up a bunch of stuff. And I said with Mo for a little bit, as the sun was setting the other night, and I said, you know, Mo, and I said, I said, you know my heart better than about anybody, and the good thing I like about Mo is that she keeps between me and her. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and I said, uh, Mo, I said, I tell you what, I said. I sure am thankful for the church God gave me. I want you to know that. I really, really am. I I can't tell you how grateful I am. And I see so much of how God had to get the hammer and the file and stuff. And y'all probably thinking he needs to hammer me a little more, but I, I promise you, just see how so many experiences has really humbled me. It's uh, really taught me about the, the, the waiting room and all that kind of stuff, and it's tough. But I am so grateful. And I told Mo, and I said, Mo, I said, you grateful too? And she just licked me and said, you fine. Yeah, you know, on the, somewhere on the side of the head. I don't know what it is. But Mo, uh, she's, a, she's, she's my bud. But anyhow, I want you to know how thankful I am. I'm grateful. And as I counted my blessings a lot Thanksgiving, I mean, y'all were, I counted y'all a bunch of times. So thank you for just the blessing you've been to us and the way you've uh, just encouraged through this whole thing. Boy, this it's been quite a thing. We're still, we don't know what's ahead, but uh, just know our heart is fixed on doing what God says has for us. And I want you to go ahead and begin praying. I want to talk to our church some in January of 2022. I really believe it's such a critical year. And I want to really, really share my heart with you a lot about that next year, Lord willing. Hey, if you hadn't got your devotional books, we are running out. And I'm not just, like you said, I'm not a salesperson, but we are running out. So if you're uh, hoping to get those for Christmas gifts, we've probably got less than two cases left and uh, that would be less less than 50 so if we uh, can get those that'd be great if you want to get those uh, I can try to order some more if we run out here today or by Wednesday I can't guarantee you with the way shipping is but uh, I'm almost I'm pretty sure we could get some more but I wouldn't count on it but I would encourage you if you're wanting to get those please do and know that it's it reminds you again it's helping hearts cancer programs so do remember that what a blessing y'all been. means so much to me that y'all get those and others that help us with them because I feel like when I look at those 52 names in there, I feel like the last one on the rung. But when y'all come and get them and y'all say such nice things, it, it really, really is an encouragement. I want to thank you so much for that. It means so many things. I'm thinking about writing another book. Uh, I don't want y'all thinking, Lord, that means he's been here long enough. We'll be in it. <laughs> no, but God is good grateful to God for you. I love you. There's nothing you can do about it. Wednesday night at 6, I hope to see you for children's ministry, student ministry, and adults are all at 6. I encourage you to come to prayer meeting. Don't forget to sign up sheet stuff on the Welcome Center for Happy Birthday Jesus for our children. And just, um, just looking forward to a great December. It's going to be a great time and I just love you and I'm grateful for you. So let's stand. Marty's going to sing us out. I'm going to catch you on the outside. There.